What's up, watch fam, and welcome to this very special episode of Rico's Watches Podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and I'm here today with two of my fellow Canadians, Raheem and Bobby T, co-founders of the brand new micro brand, Thacker Morale. How's it going, boys? Real good, thanks. Great, Eric. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on the show. I'm super excited to talk about your new brand, talk about the things that it stands for, uh, get into you know what it's like starting a new brand, and uh, just hear more about your watches and, and what your brand's all about. Before we get into the questions today, though, what do you guys got on the wrist? I'm wearing uh, a Thacker Morale original and with the white dial. And I put on the red silicone strap this morning because I was doing some exercising and I just like to have the silicone on the best. And it's got the quick release, flipping it on and off really easily. Beautiful, beautiful. What about yourself, Raheem? I got a uh, Thacker Morale as well. I got the, the black face on today. Interestingly enough, uh, last night I had it all set up with the stainless steel band. I was kind of feeling that. I got up this morning and, you know, felt a little pep in my step. So I popped off the quick release. I threw on this uh, genuine leather gray, um, kind of used my little tool to get in there and set it up. And uh, away we go. Very cool. And so I'm hearing, I'm hearing quick release coming up quite a bit. Is that a important feature when it came to the design of your watch? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, for us, um, we kind of promote this as a lifestyle watch. And, you know, for me, I can wear this watch all day long and try to change up the strap and it fits my lifestyle. If I'm playing golf, if I'm going out for dinner, a uh, quick change of that strap and I have a whole new look. And, and that was really important for us. You know, that one of the design features that we really love for sure. Something that kind of appeals to, um, you know, obviously the collector side where we all love swapping straps and having kind of something cool to do with our watches uh, and kind of change it with our outfits and our lifestyle, but then also something that can appeal to like a one watch collector as well, right? One watch yeah. that can really suit sort of any and all situations. Absolutely. Yes, for sure. That's Raheem awesome. and I have very con, you know, contrasting styles also. So mm -hmm. having a quick release on the watch, you can have different looks so easily. So I can have looks that, you know, really accommodate my style and he can have looks that accommodate his style and vice versa. Ah, it's perfect. It's such a good, such a good idea. and something that I'm happy to see more of kind of coming up when it in, uh, in micro brands and, and, and mainstream brands as well, too. Um, I think that, you know, now that the general watch consumer is becoming more skilled and more informed about how watches work, things like strap changes, like no one wants to go to the manufacturer or go to a, a jeweler and have to get their strap changed for them. Right. Right. Now that you make it that they can do it at home uh, with straps that are set up for that, that's an game awesome, changer. It's a game changer. Exactly. Right? <laughs> D disrupting the watch industry. <laughs> um, so really quickly, before we kind of get in specifically into the brand, can you both kind of share a little bit about your journey in watch collecting? How did you get into it? What were, what was it that you found interesting about it? What has been your involvement in the past with the watch community? Just take it from the top and, and yeah. kind of go from there. For sure. I mean, that's a great question. And, you know, we always love hearing stories uh, from other watch collectors and watchaholics, if you want to call them that. And for me, from a, year, a very young age, you know, I loved watches. I was the guy uh, taking up apart watches and trying to put them back together as a kid. I remember taking apart one of those traditional alarm clocks and was amazed that there was like thousands of pieces on the inside of this thing. Uh, I don't think I ever put that one back together, uh, to be honest. But, um, you know, my dad's brother, my uncle was uh, a watch wearer, and uh, I remember him gifting me a couple of watches as a kid. I remember him giving me one of those Casio calculator watches, uh, and that kind of blew me away. And, uh, you know, later in life, he gave me uh, a Seiko that he was wearing. 
um, that was pretty precious to me for sure. So, you know, the ability to hand something down generationally really resonates with me. Um, I remember buying my first Seiko at uh, London Airport, at Keefer Airport, duty-free. I was with my kid, my middle son, and uh, we were just walking through duty-free, waiting for our flight to take off, and we happened across a, a big jeweler. And in their showcase, they had hundreds of watches, and we were checking them out. And, you know, and he pointed at one, uh, I think he was six at the time, and we bought that watch. It was, you know, something like $300. Um, but it was the meaning behind it that he was with me. We were together. We bought that watch, and... Um, you know, it was, it was momentous for me, uh, kind of like a milestone. And that's really what brought me into it. Um, when my grandfather passed, my late grandfather, he actually left me his Rolex. And, um, you know, just having that, having a couple watches that were meaningful for me, really sparked me in the right direction. And I've uh, kind of loved watches ever since. And, uh, you know, remember buying my first watch was actually a Swatch watch. Mm. I think it was $25, I don't know. 20 years ago or something like that I had a blue strap on it I still remember the blue face just a very straightforward watch um, and how disappointed was I when I, I think I took a shower with it and the thing got all fogged up <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and, it, and that was the end of that watch you know I still kept it for a couple of years just to have it um, but you know my collection has slowly grown along those lines and, and, and that's you know kind of how I got into it just uh, emotion really mm-hmm. what about yourself Bobby T I think that uh, I, you know, I've definitely liked watches as well. Not, not to the level that Raheem has, um, but I've, I think it was in my, uh, you know, late twenties when I started to see some of the fashion watch brands and some of the younger new entrants into the watch world that were kind of catching my eye because they were marketing to my generation. I did, I never did really connect with the Rolexes and the, uh, you know, the Omegas, you know, I saw the value in them, no question, but it, it wasn't, uh, you know, it would, it would have stood out like a sore thumb on my wrist. Um, but when I started seeing some of these other brands that were more, you know, attainable in price, uh, I started, you know, to like them. And it wasn't until Raheem and I started chatting about them. And then I started to kind of get a look into his collection and hear the story behind all the different watches that I started to see a different type of value in them. It wasn't just the timepiece, but it was, it was the story behind them. And I loved that idea. And, and so what led both of you guys then into, I guess, starting your own watch brand? How did that kind of happen? How did that take shape? Yeah. So uh, for us, Bob and I, you know, we both attended uh, the same postgraduate institute. We're both graduates of Queens University and their MBA program. Um, I graduated a year, two years before Bob. And, you know, as part of my graduation, I was kind of thinking, I I need to mark this occasion. This is a bit of a milestone. Like I I should buy myself something. And you start thinking, you know, as a watch guy, you know, am I getting getting a pen? Am I getting a computer, a a portfolio? I'm like, no, let let me buy a watch. To kind of mark that and really I was struggling and I happened to be talking with Bob and saying you know I'm, I'm kind of looking for something but nothing's really resonating with me and you know am I going to spend five or ten thousand bucks on something and it'll be good it'll be meaningful I can hand it down but it just doesn't resonate with me and, and we started bantering back and forth and we're both entrepreneurs we both uh, kind of had some some good skill um you know we, we just graduated so we had a big toolbox and we kind of said well why don't we start our own brand and it started that way and it kind of morphed into where we are today. It was literally a conversation at Joey's restaurant where we'd go very often and have our little business powwows. 
and uh, started talking about doing some sort of collaboration together. And Raheem's passion for watches for like, this is a no brainer. You got so much passion for this. You know, we've got the knowledge. Let's do this. Let's figure it out and let's go at it. Okay. And so can you explain the name then, Thacker Morale, how you came up with that? Yeah. Very, very yeah. tricky. Very tricky. It's a tough one. <laughs> you know, we actually didn't name this thing for a while. It was a concept for us and we were struggling and we were trying to think of, you know, an acronym or a name. And at the end of it, um, you know, as, as you know, and you'll, you'll learn more, Bob is highly authentic. Not mm-hmm. that I'm not, but, you know, he really <laughs> believes in authenticity and just being honest and true. And we said, look, if we're going to do it, what better thing to do than, than to put our names on this thing and that. Uh, just put it out there, right? If everybody knows who's done it, who the guys behind it are, um, anyone who knows us, hopefully will know that we're pretty stand-up guys. Um, and that's where it came from, really. We, you know, we we talked and a lot of the um, teachings that we had in university will talk about the value of not putting your, you know, your last name on a product because a business is difficult to sell in the future if your last name is on it. There's complications there. But we said, you know what, let's not plan to sell the brand mm-hmm. and what what puts your balls on the block more than putting your name on something that mm-hmm. is going to push us to always deliver something that we truly believe in and mm-hmm. let's just you know make that the foundation of what we stand for mm-hmm. well okay it helps you know like it gives a recognition about who's behind it to the consumer but it also keeps the producer accountable as well right because like you said absolutely you're, you're not you're well not putting, said. you're not putting anything out that doesn't have your name on it, or rather you, you wouldn't put something out with your name on it that you weren't proud of, right? Or that you didn't yes. want to stand behind, right? So it, it definitely helps with the accountability for the product. And I think that's that's definitely something to be commended and stood behind and uh, something that the watch fam should be excited about, right? I think that someone who's willing to put their name on it, you know, they're, they're willing to say that they're putting out the best product they feel they can put out, right? And that's, that's definitely something impressive. Yeah, and from the, you know, for, uh, to you know springboard on the end of that you know it makes you put you in a vulnerable position you're putting mm-hmm. yourself out there um you know open to criticism and that sort of thing about you know our choice of color our choice of size our choice of this our choice of that uh we we knew that and we mm-hmm. opened that we thought that is also going to help guide us into the best possible product mm-hmm. it's just having that dialogue with you know the watch community mm-hmm. it helps that it sounds pretty catchy too so it does <laughs> it works it works out well um yes. okay so can you kind of explain the i guess process uh, you know more in depth about starting a micro brand and and kind of what some of the experiences you have to go through and the lessons you've learned along the way of getting to this point yeah um, you know i guess starting a partnership for bob and i was uh, a no-brainer we actually worked together um, in the same company, we weren't in the same divisions, but you know we had an opportunity to kind of meet corporately, work together. Um, you know, we're two separate physical locations, but I used to travel once a week to, to the building that Bob was in, so we got to spend some time together. Figured out that we gelled pretty quickly as people. Our morals and ethics were, you know, very well aligned, um, and that sort of led led to our partnership. Uh, you know, going back to get some higher education, and, and when we came out of it. As I mentioned, we were armed with a bunch of tools mm-hmm. and, you know, we figured out how to start a company, how to get it registered, how to do all the businessy things you needed to do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, from a operational point of view, the, the first thing we had to figure out was, well, who's doing what and, and how do we make sure we're not overlapping on each other's territory, as it were? 
Mm-hmm. And, and Bob's super creative is he's so organized, um, you know, and it, it just a no brainer for us to get together and say, Bob, this is kind of the things that you would look after. These are sort of things that I would look after. Now let's start learning about the industry and the business. And, and just because you own a handful of watches and you're a collector, um, there's so much more to it to learn and to get into. And that really inspired us. And, and we kind of jumped from there. What do you think, Bob? I think that's absolutely right. You know, we, uh, I, w- I once had a friend, um, I uh, still have the same friend, but we were talking about, you know, partnerships and that sort of thing. And I've seen some bad partnerships in the past where there's conflict. Uh, but a friend of mine said, you know, if two guys were to open a restaurant and their skill is that they're both chefs, there's a strong chance they're going to fight. Mm-hmm. If one guy's skill is the front of the house and the other guy's skill is the back of the house. They have a better chance to succeed. And just like Raheem said, you know, we talked and we acknowledged our skills and uh, we said, hey, this this could really work. You know, you have a really strong uh, skill set and, uh, and definitely in areas that I'm deficient. And, you know, we could, uh, you know, we can work this out where you can take on this whole area of the business and I'll, you know, I'll look after this area of the business. And that's how it started. Okay. And, and so I guess when you were starting this business and, and you've talked a lot about um, authenticity already, morals, ethics, you know, I'm starting to get that theme that that's something that's particularly important to the Thacker Morale brand. Can you expand on that and talk about the ethos and vision for Thacker Morale and kind of what the brand stands for? Yeah. And that, uh, you know, that whole thing was something that we were definitely born with, right? You know, mm-hmm. I think it's a big part of Canadian culture that you, you know, put your best foot forward and, and uh, treat people the way you want to be treated. And like we were saying earlier, no one wants to get, you know, duped into something that they've paid for and it's not what you did or not what you thought you were paying for. But when we were doing, um, you know, some analysis on other brands that were out there, we noticed brands that had fake names. Uh, We noticed brands that had disingenuous ads, you know, ads that were associating themselves to Italy, Mm. associating themselves to, you know, fine, uh, you know, uh, luxury cars, supermodels, that sort of thing. And, uh, and at the end of the day, nothing is Italian about them at all, or nothing is really luxury about their watch at all, but they're frivolous, frivolously throwing around that term luxury. Mm-hmm. And we didn't want, you know, any whiff of arrogance uh, in our brand at all. We wanted it to be genuine. We really are, you know, Bob and Raheem from Vancouver and, you know, putting our best creativity skills together to create a watch with as best parts as we could. And we wanted to convey that to our customers that, um, you know, we truly would like a customer to feel that they have received value from what they paid for rather than Raheem and I to be high-fiving in a back room saying that we hit our sales targets and fooled a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. I would not feel good about that. Okay. And so then like, I think that's, so you guys are also taking what I would think is a little bit more of like a community approach, right? Because I think that the um, the average everyday consumer when it comes to watches aren't necessarily that informed about the advertisements, aren't necessarily that informed about, you know, sort of the story that brands are trying to tell, are trying to sell them, right? Um, so would you say that your brand is really focused on the watch collecting community? It absolutely is. You know what? I- Eric, I'm going to see you again. We're going to have another podcast. The last thing that I want is to do something, you know, shifty. And then I have to see you again. And Mm -hmm. you're going to look at me like that jerk. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want that. And I, the same thing with our customers. We don't want to do something shifty. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, bad comments go up or, you know, uh, watches falling apart and people are, Hey, this isn't what they sold me. So, mm-hmm. you know, you treat your neighbors well and, and you, you know, you become a part of that overall ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And certainly keep it uh, original to your point. You know, we thought uh, when we discussed it, we said, Hey, maybe we'd make 500 of this first round or maybe a thousand if we're you know real fortunate and, and people really like what they see but you know, the idea was not to make 10,000 of them so mm-hmm. certainly you know if you kind of like the brand you like what you see you like what it stands for you're going to be part of a pretty small circle of people um, and that's you know hopefully where we derive the value from as well right you know there'll be more products coming on board but as far as the original goes it is the original. There's only going to be one of these. There's only going to be a fairly small number in the world that that, that are ever made, probably. You know? So mm-hmm. that was kind of the thought behind it as well. Okay. And so what are your thoughts in particular then, um, you know, about being, I guess, towards the benefits of being a micro brand? Um, you know, one thing that I've heard in, in conversation with other micro brands is that you can be very nimble and adaptable. Um, yeah. you know, that yeah. seems to be the, the general line that you get most of the time when, when I ask that, but are there other benefits to, to starting a micro brand or kind of starting from, from where, you know, starting from the point that you guys are at? Like that whole nimble thing is so true. And just to kind of spell out what that looks like, it, we have an idea and boom, it, you know, comes uh, at a dinner meeting or something like that. We can put that idea to life the next day. We do not have to run it by anyone. And we can say, hey, that sounds great. I am fired up about that idea. Let's put it into action. And uh, that is a massive benefit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the creativity that, that you bring specifically, Bob, uh, you know, if you're a micro brand, you can really think outside the box a little bit. You can kind of, and our process was, you know, we sat down and made a little list of things that resonated with each one of us. And then we found some commonalities there and, uh, you know, we got creative uh, and we were able to do that super quickly, but also maybe not get pulled into what the mainstream might be as far as creativity and watch design goes. You know, Mm -hmm. we think we had a lot of runway, which was good. And that's kind of what we wanted. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, I I think that we put together a really good outline of what the brand's about and and the awesome dudes behind it. But I want to get into, I want to get now into the original in itself. I want to get into the watch in itself that you guys are putting out. And can you kind of shed some light on some of the specs, the design, the inspiration for the design behind it, and just some of the great things that people should know about this watch? Yeah, for sure. Uh, You know, let's maybe start with the uh, inspiration for the design, perhaps. And that's, you know, again, Bob and I were sort of chatting, we we kind of lead, you know, somewhat different lives, but uh, we're aligned in many ways. And we kind of sat down and said, like, what's important to you? And we literally on a piece of paper and a pen, we started jotting down some ideas down the left side of the page, down the right side of the page. And then we kind of drew some lines in between them and said, hey, like, what what are the commonalities? These, these are the things that resonate with you. These are the things that resonate with me. How can we find a common ground and then start to develop and design something? And once we had a, you know, a good handful of, uh, of words on the page, um, you know, our, our minds started to spin. We started to look at different uh, designs that were out there. And then very quickly sort of realized that um, we need to learn more. We, we actually need to get up and, and go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And the first thing you think of is like all the big watch fairs that are out there in the world and, you know, Basel world out, out in Europe and Switzerland and 
that was a few months away from where we were at that point. And we literally uh, got to Googling stuff and there was a huge watch show in Asia that was going on. And it was, uh, I think, a month from where we started talking. And we said, uh, hey, if we're serious about this, we got to go. Let's just go. Mm-hmm. And, and we did. We figured out how to get ourselves visas to Asia and to China to get invited out there to make some connections with the watch community over there. Uh, you know, no matter what we say, they are the world's largest watch producer and they do produce mm-hmm. some, some very nice product. And we decided uh, to invest in education and we literally jumped on a flight and then we found our way over there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, so again, going into the, I guess, like what inspired this, the design specifically of the original? I think that the one kind of uh, fundamental part was that acknowledging that we were, con- you know, contrasting personalities and that Raheem, you know, he, he loves luxury brands and, uh, and he knows a lot about them where I'm, you know, a little bit more rock and roll and mm-hmm. I value things that are more, you know, um, you know, local craft or, you know, craft beer, um, you know, farmer's markets and stuff like that and artisans. And, and I, I like seeing something that's not in, in the mainstream. And so the original was a, our original first creation, mm-hmm. but it was also basically, um, you know, an homage to being original and doing something that is a little bit different. So mm-hmm. one of our good friends put it this way. He said, what I see is that this is a men's luxury watch with a bit of an edge. Okay. And can yeah. you speak to some of the features of the watch then? Can you talk about some of the specs? Yeah, and, and absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the face for us, of course, you, you've got the big highlight with the 12 and the 6. Mm-hmm. Um, we decided to stay away from Roman numerals. We just wanted something catchy and edgy. So we did put a 12 and a 6 on there. We decided to make that 12 pop. So we said, hey, let's make it red. And I mm-hmm. think that was kind of Bob's idea. We, we wanted a day date on there. So we knew it was going to be an automatic for sure. Uh, kind of looked around. It was going to be a Swiss automatic. We landed on the Salita. Because we love the fact that it actually had a day and a date on there, where a lot of stuff you saw before just sort of had a date on there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a good combination for us. And then we started to, to kind of go from there. For me, luxury was really key. If you're talking a Swiss movement, then it's got to be waterproof. You should better be putting some sapphire crystal on there, not a glass. Uh, we talked about maybe making a, a skeleton back on there to really highlight the movement in the back. And um, you know, just kind of pay tribute to that. So, you know, we put a window on the back where you can see right through to the Salida movement and watch that thing tick over. So for a watch a fight or someone who's really into it, you know, sometimes you can stare at that thing a little bit and really appreciate it. So try to put a little something in there for, for everybody. Um, you know, the big meaty crown was your idea. You wanted something large and meaty to grab onto. So, um, you know, Bobby looked at thousands of crowns and drew and sketched thousands of them to, to come up with something that you know you really get your hand on there and you know we affectionately call it uh, the meat tenderizer between us <laughs> <laughs> you know um and it, when you use it when you work with it when you play with it you know it, you can really get a hold of it nicely you can you can work it you can make make the movement do the things it's supposed to be doing um, and, and we talked about well should we should we put a signature on that and we decided not to, you know, a lot of people put their uh, initials on the end of that. And we said, no, let's just keep it classy and clean. Uh, let's 316L stainless steel for the case, sapphire crystal, anti-reflective coating. 
Um, we've talked about should we have it domed or not, and in this particular one, we decided to double dome it just to give it a little something extra. So when you peek at it on the side, it's got some character to it. Mm-hmm. As you slowly turn the watch, you're able to look inside and see the time from almost any angle. So little things like that that we considered. Um, Swiss loom, you know, this is waterproof. Um, you know, you're going to go swimming with this thing. It's it's not going to be a huge flashlight for you. Um, but in the, in the dim waters and in the darkness of the evening and the afternoon, uh, it's going to perform a function for you, uh, but still look pretty classy, we think. Um, so, you know, we looked at those, all those sorts of different uh, features and tried to incorporate them into our first design. Okay, and you mentioned, you mentioned waterproofness a couple of times. Uh-huh. What is it waterproof to? Uh, 10 ATM or 100 meters. Okay. And, and, and it is a screw down? That's correct. Yes. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. And, and so what about the case size? What are the dimensions of the case? You bet. Yeah. So this is a 44 millimeter. It's a 22 millimeter lugs uh, mm-hmm. from lug to lug. It's about 52 millimeters. So it's a little bit of a larger watch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, traditional watch sizes have got a little smaller over the last year, year and a bit. So maybe your standard watch today is 42 mils. Uh, we're at 44. So just mm-hmm. a hair, a hair bigger than that. I would like to say to that is that, um, you know, when we were deciding what type of you know size to choose, and we acknowledged that 42 millimeters was the standard size, um, being the original, we didn't want to have something standard anything. We wanted to you know veer off that a wee little bit without just doing something for the sake of doing something. Um, so we decided to make it two millimeters larger. Neither of us like those big, large frying pan watches, but this isn't one of those large frying pan watches. It's literally two millimeters larger uh, than a standard watch. And I would much rather something be a little bit greater than than a little bit less than. Mm-hmm. You know, I if I see something that is slightly less than something, I feel that it's less than something. If I see something that's a little bit greater than, you just feel that it's a little bit greater that's, yeah, uh, I mean, with those kinds of specs, you're, you're kind of entering Panerai territory, right? 44 millimeters, 52 lug to lug, like that. Th- those are pretty much like the standard Betterini cases. You're uh, a smart man, Eric. You're absolutely right. And this is part of the thing when we were talking about brands that we both like and what are the things that we do like. The Panerai is a fantastic looking watch and mm-hmm. it's a great size. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've, uh, I've tried one on before and it looks great. I'm not in, you know, neither of us are o- overly large guys. Mm-hmm. We're both about five foot 10, 170, and that watch looks fine on the wrist. And mm-hmm. so does this. Mm-hmm. I think, and you're also like speaking to the practicality of, of the watch as well, too. You, you, as you stated earlier, it's a watch that any, anyone can wear for any occasion, right? It's, it's a, it's a lifestyle piece. You know, you have high, you have high visibility. If you're in the water at that size, you have high visibility. If you're driving, you have, and I noticed um, some small uh, influences from aviation in your watch as well, too. Right. Um, so easy to read if you're flying an airplane, whatever. Right. I know those you're aren't, right. those aren't necessarily the stories you're trying to sell people. You're not associating yourself with any of those specifically, but it does lend that practicality really for any situation. And then obviously you have the high visibility as well with the, the red lettering on the dial or the red numbering on the dial as well too, in the large indices. I think that, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that size. I think uh, that's going to appeal to a lot of people, particularly the Panaristi and people who are comfortable in that size already. But it looks very compact, like seeing it on your wrist. I did not think that it was going to be that size. I mean, what size are you guys' wrists? Mine's seven and a quarter, so I'm not, I don't have big wrists at all. Yeah. I'm yeah. seven and a half. 
Yeah, there you go. So, I mean, yeah. very, very normal wrist sizes um, and it looks awesome. So I think that's nothing wrong with that size at all. That's uh, really exciting to hear actually kind of somebody trying something a little different than uh, what's going on right now with everyone kind of aiming for that 40 millimeter type territory, right? Yeah, and we didn't want to be pandered to what, you know, um, you know, we didn't want to pander to what people said that we should do. We designed the watch for us. We designed the watch for what we liked and what we thought looked cool. And mm-hmm. it wasn't uh, to follow, you know, culture or social norms or anything like that. It was like, hey, what do we think is cool right now? Mm-hmm. For sure. And so what's going to be, I guess, the price points on the watch? So on Kickstarter right now, you uh, it's running, it's live. Um, our early bird just ended. So at an early bird, you know, you could have picked it up for 395 Canadian. Mm. Uh, right now it's 449 Canadian. Mm-hmm. And on the website, after it's all said and done and uh, our backers have received theirs first, you know, maybe a couple months after that, just to give our backers enough time to wear these and show them off a little bit, we plan to have them up on the site for closer to $600. Okay. So very accessible pricing for people, something that, you know, someone can definitely get on their wrist and uh, enjoy. And obviously, um, and those are Canadian prices you were saying. So That's right, for, yeah. for our people, basically anywhere else in the world, <laughs> they're, getting, <laughs> they're getting a pretty killer deal on the price then for sure. That's awesome. Yes, sir. That's terrific. Wow. And I appreciate that you guys put it in Canadian pricing because especially being a Canadian, it's so frustrating when you see the price of a piece and then you have to tack on like 30% to it because yes. it's being made. Yeah. It's from a different yeah. country or something like that. So that's, yes. that's really cool and, and, and really good pricing that you guys have. I, I love that for sure. Thank you. Um, so being the finance guy here, Eric, I'll take any kind of currency, no problems. Well, absolutely, <laughs> for sure. Um, and so you have some accessories that you've already mentioned, some silicon straps, um, some other, uh, did you say there was a suede strap as well that you guys have already had made? For no, this was, this is what really got me fired up about this brand, about, you know, forming the brand with Raheem. Mm-hmm. And once I you know, learned about quick release and that we could, you know, have all these different types of straps, then, hey, you know, we can also make our own kind of straps. So we've made our own custom branded uh, silicone straps that are available on Kickstarter right now as a part of the campaign. We've made our own brand of sailcloth straps that are part of the campaign and fine Italian calfskin leather that doesn't have a quick release on it because it is fine Italian calfskin leather and and it's similar to your skin. If you put Mm -hmm. a mechanism on something like that, it could wear over time. Mm -hmm. So um, if someone was to buy one of those, we provide a spring bar tool with it so that you can put it on and off. But that, you know, for me being a creative, it just opened up this whole world of, you know, artisans all over the world who are really gifted but you know nobody knows about and Mm -hmm. so we started you know um by making the the fine italian leather ones from different countries several different countries we we did a lot of traveling and have met a lot of great people but right now um you know we have a line of these and these are vintage japanese baseball glove straps Mm. so each one is completely unique and different and and has character to them Um, We did the, you know, the, we did a whole bunch of different colors for the fine Italian casket leather, but there's only three options available on um, Kickstarter, but we have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of straps on the go right now. Um, And that was just, you know, being a kid in a candy store saying, wow, this looks great. This looks great. And that's fantastic. Let's get a limited amount of this, a limited amount of that and have some, you know, 
add some more exclusivity to this brand and to this product. Well, it's really cool. And that's sort of, uh, it's kind of neat to see a piece that is uh, centered around strap changing and really changing the look of the watch and, and constantly having different kinds of pieces. And then kind of uh, spoke already on like doing like limited strap releases. So is that going to be kind of part of the brand too, is you'll do these limited runs of straps so that you know kind of creating like you said exclusivity for certain strap combinations for people and, and absolutely yeah absolutely and i think that's fun you know it's really neat that we can come up and and we're working with some really great artists right now and you know the color gamut is endless and mm -hmm. endless combinations and every year you know color trends come and go and and you know you might be inspired by something different and mm -hmm. those who are creative can easily get sick of something that they've seen for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a friend that is an artist and he painted this massive uh, mural for me. And, you know, after a couple of years, I was a little bit bored of it. And I was really sensitive because I, I wanted to replace it, but I didn't want to insult him. And uh, I had said to him, you know, just kind of wanted to ask you about that mural. And uh, he kind of knew already, he said, Bobby, you're a creative, I'm a creative. People who are creative get sick of their art. Mm -hmm. And he said, so, you know what, let's just make it a white canvas and we'll make something new for you. And I love that whole conversation. And that's the same thing with the straps, making a limited exclusive uh, strap line that people can kind of get their hands on that no one else has and, you know, preserve that uh, spark of originality. Mm -hmm. uh, and will there be other accessories as well that you guys are going to come out with as, as Sacra Morale kind of develops further? Is there plans for that? There absolutely are. There's really nothing that we could speak about right now, um, mm. just because we are in the infancy, infancy of a lot of development. But mm. there's a, you know, there's a whole line. Very exciting. Yeah. And uh, so, what else is in the works then for the brand? So you have, um, you know, you have your Kickstarter right now. When yes. that When that's successful and the pieces start going out and everything drops. Um, do you already have other uh, models in mind? Do you already have other uh, like future pieces you're already planning to put out? Is there anything like that you can kind of shed some insight on? Yeah, for sure. We've absolutely got some stuff in, in the planning, you know, where we talk, you know, we talk divers, we talk chronos. So there's stuff that's going to follow for sure. And, uh, you know, we just like to really build a good solid first round, a uh, first shot with the original, with the strap collection, um, hopefully get a good loyal following who buys into the brand, understands the brand, kind of believes us, uh, shares with us. We've got a lot of great comments come back to us and uh, you know, people love sharing with us. And one of the great things about the watch community is everybody that we've met so far truly, and yourself included, Eric, have been just so helpful, so friendly, uh, so supportive, uh, kind of given us suggestions, thoughts, directions to go in, things to look at, things to think about. And so we're super excited to kind of bring uh, the next model on behind this one as well. So it's in the planning we've got sketches drawings ideas and uh we're just waiting for a little bit of magic to happen that's very very cool can you um really quickly can you kind of talk a little bit about i guess the kickstarter campaign and what's going on there how people can find it how they can support the brand and and kind of yeah. be a part of its early success sure absolutely um so you know obviously we've got a uh, an instagram page so you can you can hit us up at at thacker morale we do have a facebook page as well and the Kickstarter is live right now. You can search on Kickstarter to Stacker Morale. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll pop a link somewhere. The links are available on our Instagram and our website. 
Um, the website I do love, it's pretty slick. Uh, Bob had a huge part in, in creating that with our team. So thanks to the team who's listening, uh, but you can find us at backamorally.com as well and, and track down the links and learn a little bit more about uh, us as a brand and, and see some great shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're uh, Kickstarter. It was our first Kickstarter. We're new to it, um, you know, and we, in the early stages, we talked to some Kickstarter experts. We were kind of advised to engage with some Kickstarter experts, and we didn't connect with anybody who we felt would represent our brand the way that we wanted. I just, we didn't want any uh, disingenuous dialogue. We didn't want any any um, ads that we you know, couldn't get behind or some cheesy videos and stuff like that. And so there just really wasn't anyone that we felt a great connection with. And we didn't want to have our first reveal, um, you know, be presented in a way that we did in a light that we didn't like. And so we actually decided to do this the old fashioned word of mouth way. Mm-hmm. We said, let's just get out there. Let's get our web page going. Um, we partnered up with a great friend who is a photographer and a watch enthusiast, and he is taking uh, control of our Instagram page, and he also has his own page. He's a golf fanatic as well, so you should check him out. Um, his name's Dan, and uh, then we have uh, our, our graphics friend who helped us get going, and just the whole collaboration of, of everyone has, has helped guide us into this. But in terms of the Kickstarter, um, the word of mouth kind of got us so far. Right. So now we're at this plateau, we feel, where sales kind of went up very rapidly to the halfway mark, but it's plateaued over the past few days. So we've had to engage in a Kickstarter expert. And I just said that, you know what, we will just be very clear about what the ads look like. We will proof everything, all of the words that they have, that are there and make sure that we're articulating our message in the most genuine way as possible. And so that just happened a couple of days ago. And we've also had some reviews, uh, Just the Watch in, in Japan, great review for us. And that's getting us a lot of attention from different spots in the world. Uh, guy local in Chilliwack, Beer and Watches, Matt, great guy, just did a podcast on Friday. That's also getting us um, you know, some notoriety. And we're hoping that your podcast as well, because we're fans of it and we've seen the results that it's got. So we were really excited to do this. Whether we've done all of these a little bit late, that's, you know, we'll soon find out, but we're doing it nonetheless. We're in it for the long haul and the success of our business isn't, uh, you know, hinging on the success of Kickstarter. We're still in business for the long term. Kickstarter was just our way of, you know, getting it out there. And so here we are and we're in it for the thrill ride. Well, that's awesome. You know, I think that, um, you know, you're learning lessons along the way, just like all of us are. And, and, you know, I, I don't see anything wrong with that. I think that, you know, it lends to the authenticity of the people behind the brand, right? I mean, no one here is a, a big time corporate expert in selling watches or anything like <laughs> that, right? Or just all enthusiasts doing the best that we can. And, and you know, I, I have absolutely no doubts that it's going to be successful. So I really think that Thank uh, you. you guys are going to absolutely kill it. Um, really, really quickly, you know, I want to transition out of talking about uh, Thacker Morale specifically. Okay. Um, I think you guys have, again, provided tremendous insight and uh, a great uh, knowledge base for people to access with regards to the original, with it, with regards to the brand. But I want to talk about you guys specifically as collectors, right? You both have your own collections. You both uh, have been enjoying watches for a while now. Um, 
Can you kind of give some insight into what's in your collections outside of Factor Morale pieces right now? Yeah, for sure. That, that, that's a great one. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big Seiko guy. I, I do have a few of those. I, I love them. I, I love their new line that's just come out. The Seiko 5s are, are great. Mm -hmm. um, you know, again, a very uh, versatile watch. And I think that's where the industry's kind of going, you know, and uh, our brand sort of is right there alongside with them. Mm -hmm. um, IWC is big for me. You sort of man, mentioned earlier that was maybe a little bit of a pilot inspiration in there. And I love IWCs. They're great. You know, mm -hmm. Some of their pilots are pretty large too. And mm -hmm. I have a good, a good collection uh, of IWC as well. And I was fortunate enough to be um, overseas when we could travel pre-pandemic. Um, I was in Amsterdam. I was at uh, the airport out there and they've got a great IWC store. And I have a perfect catalog that was gifted to me by one of the sales managers there just to kind of take home and bring home um, some, some great product from them too. Um, Rolex one only that was gifted to me. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know what it's worth. It's a fairly old piece, but uh, emotionally, sentimentally, that is by far the greatest piece in my personal collection. Um, alongside the Thacker Morales, I, I truly love wearing our watch right now. I, I haven't really put on anything other than, than the Rolex in, in recent months because um, this watch is just so versatile for me. So I'm looking forward to maybe uh, having one of each color. And uh, we've got a couple at the moment that we only made nine prototypes, uh, mm -hmm. by the way, that we've kind of shared around. And so we kept a couple to ourselves, but a couple are out there. So for me, it's really Seiko, IWC, Rolex. Uh, my old Swatch watch, I had to turf it. I did buy the early model uh, Apple watch, but uh, found out pretty quickly when they started updating all the software. I think a year later, it was kind of worthless. So I had to turf that one as well. So we're just kind of keeping mainstream and, and that's where I'm at. Awesome. What about yourself, Bob? Oh, uh, myself, you know, I, I love Nixon. Uh, when Nixon first came out and some of the different watches, the first one that I bought from them was the automatic mm -hmm. and I loved it. It was a big honking, you know, watch to wear on my wrist. And, uh, but it was really neat having an automatic watch. Um, and I also had the banks, which was another really neat looking watch, different shape. No one had, you know, no one at the time that I knew had anything that looked like that. And I loved the uniqueness of it. Um, but my, my wife is from Thailand and I traveled to Thailand a lot. And as you know, or you may know that there are a lot of watch knockoffs, uh, that you can see, um, at the markets there. Mm -hmm. So I just had the opportunity to see, you know, a variety of, watches kind of up close and analyze them and that sort of thing and see you know what kind of things that i liked and what i didn't like and i wasn't a fan of buying knockoffs because you know just hearing from other people you buy it and it's you know worthless the next day um but what i you know in terms of my collection what i'm most jazzed up about is the straps mm -hmm. no question and i think that raheem would tell you that you know just almost every other day i've told him hey i've got a whole new line of straps coming for us right now i've just designed this i've been talking to this guy in this remote part of vietnam and he makes these special handmade you know straps and <laughs> like, wow, these are great. And then I'll call him the next day. Uh, I met this guy in the Philippines. He, you know, he brings in this leather from Italy and he stamps it and he, he dyes it and he does this. And, and so for me, it's straps. I love straps and I have a massive collection of these different straps. And I just showed you a little sneak peek into what we have with those um, vintage Japanese baseball glove ones. But for me, it's more straps than, than actual watches. So obviously then from what I'm hearing, your personal collections have certainly influenced what you're doing with the the original and with your brand as well then 
Yeah, for me, for sure. You know, you, you kind of look at each watch and you wish, hey, me, I wish this one would have had this on it. Or I wish this one, maybe they could have moved this over. So certainly take an inspiration from a variety of qualified manufacturers and longstanding brands and tweaked them to, you know, what we thought maybe uh, was more relevant today. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's really cool um, to kind of see the guys behind the brand, to see that you guys are genuine, authentic collectors, authentic guys, and you're just, you know, you're starting a cool brand, doing some cool stuff. It's great to have the Canadian connection. I think that's great too. Thanks, uh, absolutely, man. You know, really quickly, was there anything more else that you wanted to share about uh, about your brand, about Thacker Morale before we, we wrap this up? You know, we, we just really like to see this thing uh, towed through to fruition. It's been a couple of years in the works for us and a lot of passion. We're, we just want to say thank you to everyone who's backed us so far. Thanks for everyone who sent us a great comment or given us some uh, suggestion or additional motivation. And uh, we just asked you to get behind this so we could tow it along across the line and uh, actually produce them and get them out there on people's wrists. 100%. That's exactly what I want to say. We're so thankful to everyone that has jumped on board so far and has backed us and has sent us personal messages, uh, you know, showing their enthusiasm for the brand and for the watch that fires us up in the morning and that motivates us to keep going with this. And we're also super thankful to guys like yourself who have reached out to us and said, Hey, like what you're doing, would love to collab. Um, because it's the conversations like this, that, that, uh, keep us fired up about the vision for doing more. Outstanding. And, and really quickly, I know we already kind of touched on it a couple few minutes ago, but where can people find out more about your brand? Where can they support the Kickstarter? Where can they uh, support some of your guys' uh, landing spots and uh, content? Uh, definitely. Uh, we have a website, backermorally.com, and uh, everything is there. Pictures of the watch, um, and uh, there is uh, our story, so you can read a little bit more about Raheem and I. Um, but there's also links that will take you to Kickstarter, and uh, we also have links on our Instagram page which we're very proud of. And uh, that's at Thacker Morale. And we have the same uh, Facebook page. So people can go to Facebook and there are links all over Facebook that'll take you to that Kickstarter page. Tremendous. And for everybody watching and listening, definitely go check them out. Definitely go give them your support, you know, support the Kickstarter. These are genuine guys from the community trying to start something really cool. And I think that that needs to be rewarded and supported within our, within the community and within the hobby. Um, That's so nice of you to say, thank you. Well, absolutely, absolutely. And it's well-earned. So, you know, um, for myself, anybody listening that wants to connect with me, you can reach out at Rico's watches podcast at gmail.com. You can go to my Instagram page at Rico's watches podcast, or you can watch uh, this interview and other ones like this on the Rico's watches podcast, YouTube channel. Thanks again so much, guys. It was absolutely tremendous chatting with you. And I look forward to seeing your success and seeing more of what comes down what comes down the pipeline from you guys in the future. You take care, okay? You as well. Signing off. Bye.